This is The Shift Podcast. John Jang filling in, and thank you for checking out The Shift Daily Podcast. On this episode, we have a conversation with David Pei, the Artistic Director of Music on Main, sharing how we can still connect audiences to musicians with virtual online concerts. We also chat about how local venues and bars are keeping the lights on during this pandemic. And of course, in case you missed it, Ryan reveals a very confusing development in the story of the flaming hot Cheeto. Plus, are you okay with cookies. Let's get into some are you okays. Ah, Roberto, our masterful guitar player has no Twitch channel by the way. Are you okay with jumping off of things? Yes. Well, if if there's a safe landing pad, like do you remember play places when you were a kid? Hmm. Yeah, like, know, uh, like the big jungle gyms inside, Chuck, Chuck you know, with like almost, foam right? pits, yeah. and yeah, yeah, I love it. The sensation is super awesome, like diving boards oh. and water parks. Mm. Yeah, as long as I know I'm gonna be okay at the bottom, <laughs> absolutely. <Yeah>. See, <laughs> but even it, but even if I had to jump off my bunk bed to the to the floor right now i would be worried because i know the distance in this room is too small for me to not get injured on something yeah this goes back to our conversation about heights last week and i know shane will say that i'm not afraid of heights i'm afraid of hitting the ground however i can't no i've never been able to like even diving boards i kind of just you know Mm. sort of corpse up and roll off them like i can't i can't do a proper I, I'm also in the same category as I think you and Shane, whereas I don't have necessarily a fear of falling, but what I do hate is the fear of weightlessness in my stomach, which is why roller coasters don't mix well with me. Um, oh, I'm yeah. certainly never going to do any bungee jumping. People have told me that like skydiving is a little bit different. However, again, I don't know how much I love the idea of being several thousand feet up in the air and then you know, having to place my trust in fabric to make sure I don't just, you know, turn into John Goo at the end of that experience. So I don't know if I'm necessarily crazy about it, but are you okay with jumping? So check it out. A black cat used up most of its luck and a few of its nine lives on Thursday when it leapt from the fifth floor window of a burning building and then landed safely on its feet. Uh, Firefighters were recording the blaze when the black cat appeared at one of the broken windows. The cat appeared to stretch its front legs out the window. You got to, you know, lumber up, limber up, and then it kicked off and threw itself into the air. Uh, gasps, gasps rather, can be heard in the video as the cat tumbles out of the window, twisting and flailing for a brief moment in the air. And uh, here's more from Inside Edition. As smoke streamed from the window of a fifth floor apartment, the cat appeared and made a death-defying leap. Onlookers screamed in horror. <laughs> the lucky cat bounced when it hit the ground but then got up and ran away. Cats are incredibly durable. The remarkable thing is that cats that suffer these falls, most of them survive. I mean, in in ways that, you know, if you were a human being, you would never survive. Veterinarian Dr. Lori Hess says this sort of thing isn't so uncommon. 
Cats are falling out windows all the time. Really common in the spring and summer months because they're sitting on window ledges. People leave their windows open or their screens aren't in tight. She says that unlike humans, cats instinctively know how to fall. When we dive off a diving board or if we fall, you know, we'll kind of tumble and be all over the place and maybe we're going head first. They just manage to like flatten themselves. I mean, it's almost like a cartoon, something falling out a window where they literally stick all their limbs out, you know, and they're like this. And somehow that position may slow or distribute the air in a different way so that when they hit, they may hit, you know, chest first or maybe they're knocking their teeth or whatever, but they're not plummeting, you know, straight down like an arrow. Cats are magical creatures. Wow. Uh, officials say the cat was not injured. They are trying to track down its owner. The fire was confined to a single apartment. No injuries were reported there. But more proof. By the way, that video was intense. That music was just brilliant. Uh, well done to the editor who packaged that one together. But cats are capable of some of the most wildest things. Like this is not the first time I've heard of a cat surviving like this death defying jump. And then also, have you guys seen the videos of like when there's a closed door and so the cat's like ah to hell with this and then literally like manages to squeeze itself under the bottom of the door and what i would yep. presume is like carpet and the i i don't understand laws of physics say this is impossible but cats are I, not bound it to blows these my minds no they just don't care cats don't care like my partner laura has a 13 week old golden retriever i love this dog dumb as a doornail and that dog can't do anything like that and it's honestly not fair i want that dog to have superpowers like that that would yeah. make me like not only is this dog adorable it can jump out a five-story building and walk it off but this cat That's right it just is like ah well i could burn or i can fly <laughs> cats are secretly our overlords they really yeah. are oh yeah and the you're right ancient because Egyptians you know predicted it Oh, 100%, right? They were like royalty in that civilization. But then also like, you know, when when you take a dog out on a walk, Ryan, you are walking the dog. But when yes. certain cat owners get a leash and decide to take their cat out on a walk, it's the cat that's like controlling everything they do. It's like, we're going to go here. We're going to go there. We're going to do this. Follow along, you stupid human. And so it's just the way it is. I'm looking at my cat right now. She's asleep in a ball next to me. It's relieving a little bit knowing that if we were, and right now, like my apartment's pretty much ground level. But if I was slightly higher up and if I fell asleep and my oven was on, this whole place was on fire, I wouldn't make it, but my cat would. And that does mm. make me quite happy. Another amazing animal, goats, because how do they climb up mountains? I don't know, but they do it. It's just something to think about. All right, moving along. Are you okay? Moving from the animal kingdom to the food kingdom. Is it a kingdom? Mm. I don't know. Are you okay with cookies? Yeah, especially like fresh out of the oven. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I want some right you now. Know, speaking of cookies, for the first time ever in my life, I had a cookie with raisins in it that wasn't disgusting. Oh. I went to this cafe at the Calgary's Farmer's Market, and this lovely old lady was like, you know, try my cookie. And we're like, ah, it's got raisins in it. And she goes, trust me, I bake from my heart. I have big heart. I make this cookie. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fine. And it was amazing. I like, I, I don't get it. I have no idea how she managed to do it. But I love all cookies except ones with raisins in them. But I went back. A week later, like this weekend, I went back and picked up more. I bought three mm. of them. They're amazing. Wow. So yeah, I'm a love. I'm way okay with cookies. 
All right, fair enough. And like, since you did that voice, now I'm just imagining like the sweetest old lady, and she's got a handkerchief around her head, and you know, she's like number one (laughs) cookie from Ukraine. You will love it's best. Uh, But in terms of like cookies, while you guys actually enjoy cookies, I generally don't because cookies, aside from raisins, which I don't agree with, uh, they often use chocolate chip. Right. And I'm lactose intolerant. So chocolate is a oh. no go. Even if it's in limited quantity, like chocolate chips, Damn. it's still enough to ruin my day, unfortunately. However, a bakery in a Milwaukee neighborhood that was robbed in April came up with a batter, batter solution to the problem. Uh, they baked his face onto their cookies. Here's more from Fox 6. Canfora Lakeside Bakery has many treats, but there's one sugar cookie that's not so sweet. Okay. I'm going to put his face on a cookie. The Bayview Bakery robbed in April. Security footage catching the suspect steal the cash register drawer. He gently lifts the expensive part of the register off, sets it to the side, grabs the cash drawer, unplugs it from the printer in the power station, and runs out, closes the door behind him. And it's that footage. He stops to look in the window, and the security camera behind him caught his right side profile. That lands him here. A frosty snapshot of the suspect's face on a sugar cookie. Now the bakery is getting global attention. A German TV station, BBC World News, and even late night talk shows here in the States. Sorry to interrupt, Mom, but I've got Jimmy Kimmel live on line one. And it's a slice of justice that never tasted so good. We wanted to bring the story full circle. We want to let everybody know. Reporting in Bayview, Christina Van Zelst, Fox 6 News. That is clever. Like, let, mm-hmm. let's admit that that is ingenious and a, a great way to use the resources you have to try and bring some justice into the world. Uh, the biggest radio show in the known universe has now brought this cookie story to light. So if you happen to let's just say it doesn't have to be somebody that robbed you. But if you have like a public enemy, a rival, right, put their face on a cookie, man, just and just That's give it out to people idea. and be like, eat this face, break it apart. Throw it in the back of your car and just like forget about it. That's often what I do if I go to Subway and I do tempted and I am tempted sometimes to get those cookies. And then I have a bite. I'm like, why did I do this? And then I throw it in the back of my car. Forget about it for months. And then I realize these things never actually rot because they are not actually food. I digress. But the whole point being, if you have an enemy that you want to just take simple sweet revenge on, put their face on a cookie. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Because now you have so many options. You could also, of course, remember that technique. And uh, next time Valentine's Day comes around or Christmas, do it to the people you love. Except choose an actually good photo. <laughs> I just, I'm just thinking about like <laughs> putting Happy Mother's Day, and you just give your mom like 50 cookies with her face on it, <laughs> and you choose like a really unflattering photo of your mom on purpose. That would be really mean. But she'll still love it because you you know she'll know. Ah, Ryan took the time to bake these cookies of me. Oh, what a sweet boy! We raised. I took the time to pay a bakery to do it. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's generally how it goes, isn't it? All right, I think we got time for one more right here. Are you okay? Oh, I like this one. I already I I like this one a lot. Are you okay with horse racing? (laughs) It's pretty good. I've never been. So I don't know. Oh, you've never been to a race? I've only ever been to one. It was a chuck wagon race at the Stampede when I was like eight years old. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. But now I'd rather just watch. What's that movie with Toby? Secretariat? Is that the yeah, horse racing movie? Yeah. I'd rather just watch that. Yeah. 
Also, I would recommend Viggo Mortensen's movie Hidalgo, based oh, on. Oh, I've story seen as Hidalgo. Well. That's a yeah. great movie too. I forgot. Yeah, that's it. Nice little nice. throwback. Nice little throwback. <laughs> so, okay. So, selfishly, I'm just going to admit I was born in the year 1990, which, according to the Chinese zodiac, is the year of the horse. So, I've always got a special place in my heart for horse friends. And uh, living in Cloverdale, we also had the Fraser Downs. So, I've been to a couple of different horse races in the past. Now. There has oh sorry Brandon well, you I was to gonna say. say I grew up in Niagara Fort Erie's actually got a major like big horse race right track, and still I'd never been never been fair enough yeah well just imagine a horse mm-hmm. multiply it by like six and then all of them running in a big circle that's pretty much it okay. it, it can be exciting though like the Kentucky Derby is always a great uh, viewing experience yeah. right because people dress up and you hit all the funny horse names like yeah. it's just a it's I've a watched treat. a few Kentucky Derbies I like actually the announcer I would actually to be a horse racing announcer I think that might be fun yeah absolutely and they probably get paid a handsome penny right Something to think about, maybe a career down the road uh, now there's been an interesting development in the world of horse racing we aren't fucking around Kentucky Derby winner Medina Spirit failed a drug test over the weekend, and now his Hall of Fame trainer, uh, trainer, Bob Baffert, is denying any wrongdoing and blaming cancel culture. Uh, Baffert went on (laughs) Fox News uh, Monday morning to talk about this test, which could threaten his horse's derby win and his own historic racing legacy. My goodness. No, this clip doesn't work. It's not there. No. It's too old. That's too bad. No, that's That's unfortunate. Okay, I've heard this clip. And essentially, I will give you a live retelling of what he says. So the Fox reporter asks him a good question, basically saying, will you race these horses again? And he kind of dodges the question and goes, well, we're going to race if we can. You know, the whole world has changed. We live in a different country now. And it's just part of that cancel culture. And and it just doesn't make any sense. You drugged your horse with steroids that mm-hmm. you're getting canceled because you did something terrible to an animal and you're not getting taken out of the league because you're being canceled you're doing that because you doped your horse <laughs> sorry it doesn't resp- it doesn't work here that argument does not work not quite no it doesn't fly oh, but man it sucks to see that we can't have fair play in any sport nowadays you know it all started in baseball with the steroid and the on all the HGH and then with hockey, you know, and Jose Theodore, you know, Montreal Canadiens goaltender. Propecia? Really, Jose? You had great hair. Don't give me that. Anyways, uh, it's a shame, but uh, I will still selfishly enjoy horse racing because, like I said, you're the horse. Got to represent. We do what we do. This is the Shift Podcast. Uh, a special guest joining us back here on The Shift. He is David Pay, the Artistic Director for Music on Main. And David, the Listening Together Festival currently running right now as we speak. It'll wrap up officially on the 18th. Uh, that is Tuesday night. You can find that online at musiconmain.ca. First of all, how have things been? How has the uh, entire festival gone so far? Oh, John, you know, it's it's been really fun and exciting and also strange where people who put festivals on in real life you know with human beings in the room and now we're releasing a festival online and we're sharing it live with people and then you can find all the content available after it's released Um, and we're hosting artist talks which again we normally do in person and now we're doing them on video online and i'm surprised how sort of beautifully it's going and how moved people are 
I think a lot of us have talked about Zoom fatigue and video fatigue, mm-hmm. and people have told me they were expecting to have that, but there's something about the way this music is captured and the way that the musicians are communicating with people that that fatigue kind of disappears and they're feeling connections with musicians. Well, I, I'm glad to hear that because I think most of us get Zoom fatigue when it's about work and we have to do business meetings and we have to talk about synergy and monthly projections and all of that. But now when you can have uh, Zoom meetings and join an entire community of people that want to enjoy live music, beautiful music as well, then you're tapping into something that nobody really should have fatigue about because we haven't had an opportunity to enjoy moments like this in over a year, basically. You know, I think in all of that Zooming, there is the business side, the, the daily work side, and then there's the getting together with your family and your friends side. We have become used to sharing in a new way. And somehow in the artist talks where we're, we are meeting on Zoom and we're talking with the musicians who've just performed in the video that you saw, there's, there's kind of a new way of sharing. People, the musicians are responding with, such a depth of feeling and honesty around what it's like to be an artist during the pandemic, what changes are happening to how they make music, what they think is coming up ahead. And it's not the sort of talking heads thing that we're, we see on TV about, you know, how's the vaccine rolling out? It's actually people talking about this, this act of making music and sharing it with audiences and the response from the audiences participating in these talks has been as moving. It's really, I don't like video meetings nonstop, and I'm in hours of them every day. Right. And I'm really loving being able to connect with the artists. I, I love that a lot because, again, it, it shows you the two-way street that's available here, the listeners and the audience members who want to learn more about what it's like uh, being in the shoes of these artists, and then the artists themselves who finally get a chance to share, oh my goodness, the things that we have had to endure to try and get my creative side channeled properly, and now we finally get to do it. So do you find that maybe the one way to describe this meeting of both parties would be relief? Like relief for both sides, because there's satisfaction knowing that we can finally talk about something that we actually want to hear and we want to learn you know i think that relief is is partly also hearing about things that we didn't know we were dying to hear about you know there's i think that finding out about new ideas and hearing creative people talk about what it is to create i I don't think we knew how much we were missing that in all of these these connections. And then also getting to hear that in the context of some really, really beautiful performance of performances of introspective music and yeah, beautiful music and some strange music. Yeah, no, I bet. I mean, that's the beauty of what this festival is all about. It sort of brings you the smorgasbord of uh, different music backgrounds and styles that, again, maybe individuals don't have uh, a lot of experience listening to, but the hope is that you discover something that maybe could be your new favorite. And, and that's the exciting part of all this. So when, when you do these artist talks, David, and, and getting a chance to do it virtually, is there a, a piece in the back of your mind that's thinking, because this is going so well, maybe this is something we can keep in our back pocket even after the pandemic is over? We have been talking a lot at Music on Main and with the musicians and with the audiences about what will it look like when the pandemic is over. And Everybody who cares about that connection between musicians and audiences knows 
that we're going to be seeking some kind of hybridity in the future. Um, there's we had people from Georgia in the states on the concert last night and this afternoon. Uh, we have people tuning in from around the world to to hear different concerts and different talks, and that's something that's a real thrill about being able to share Canadian artists out and abroad. We also love being in the room and hearing music vibrating in our bodies as it's being made by these musicians. Creating the videos, when you see the videos at musiconmain.ca, you'll, you'll understand like these are not just a camera being put up in a room while somebody's making some music. These are really beautiful videos, beautifully edited, that give you insights that you wouldn't get in the concert hall. So we're trying to create a new thing. Doing that on top, being your own television station on top of being a concert presenter or a musician, that's going to be a big challenge when it's over. But this idea of how we connect and how we can share honest stories, how there can be reciprocity in those conversations where audiences and musicians can really connect in ways, I think that that's going to be part of the hybridity, finding ways to communicate and share music that aren't about the technology or the lack of technology, but are about the storytelling. Uh, yeah, that's a powerful word there, storytelling. And I'm curious about you, David, because now, you know, all the years work of trying to put this together, coordinating, scheduling, uh, having conversations with so many different individuals to get this going. Now we're right in the middle of it. Uh, for you, this has got to be a mix of, I'm sure, a little bit of stress because you want to make sure everything's running smoothly as possible. But then another part of you that finally gets to just have a little bit of a fist pump moment and say, uh, this is this is exactly what we were trying to do. And it's working. Like you mentioned, internal international viewers, which is always a good feeling. So for you, just tell us, you know, what are you feeling and thinking right now? How how easy is it for David Pay to get some sleep these days? Easier today than on Thursday night before the festival started. Um, because of all the technical challenges, um, you, you want to make sure everything goes smoothly for the artists and for the audience. And it's also very strange when we have a, a festival in person, you know, as the presenter, the promoter, whatever you might uh, know my role as, you're you're down there at the rehearsals, you're talking with the tech crew, you're making a lot of decisions in the moment, you're getting ready to welcome the audience as they arrive at the venue. Sitting in your living room, getting ready to welcome the audience as they arrive for a YouTube premiere is a really different experience. <laughs> and learning how to, and for the performers as well, learning how to modulate our energy from opening night to opening sitting at your computer and then going to a Zoom chat afterward. And for the musicians, learning how to watch yourself in performance. You know, it's, we've had really great talks about what these changes are, but it is, yeah, it's for me, I've been talking a lot about sort of modulating my energy, you know, like trying to take that energy of an opening night and put it into sharing this music online. It's also, there's a, another kind of joy too, though, because all of that technical work happened in the editing room and I've you know, never made meals during a, a festival. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, I'm sure for you, it's just the, yeah, whole new experiences every step of the way, but as you sort of put it, modulating and trying to make sure the energy levels are right, your emotion levels are right. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be just beautiful. So we got a couple more nights of this uh, left to go. What are some things that uh, our audience should know if they're going to be checking it out either later tonight or maybe tomorrow and again on Tuesday? Uh, what do you think is some of the big things that you would really want to people to focus on 
I would um, jump into listening to the concert that happened on uh, uh, Friday night. And that concert features Chloe Kim, an amazing violinist playing music by Bach. And so this is classical music that at once sounds familiar if you're not used to classical music, because some of the, the sounds and the, the scales and stuff that you hear sounds like things you know before. And if you do know classical music, this is the partita in D minor, which is one of the like monumental pieces of classical music that people come back to that makes people cry, that people drive for hours to go hear in a concert. So Chloe Kim playing J.S. Bach's Partita in D minor is a pretty amazing moment. And there's also some great storytelling throughout musicians talking about their process. Um, but I, I also would say, check out Dalava. They're a duo that makes folk songs. And uh, Julia Ulela's great-grandfather in the early 20th century collected Moravian folk songs and put them all into a book. And they use that book to bring folk songs to life, to try to give them new contexts, guitar, electric guitar, voice, and amazing storytelling that I think connects deep to everyone's souls. Now, we can't obviously provide you the full experience here with this radio show, but we hope that we can provide you just a little snippet of what you can expect listening together, a free music festival, basically chicken noodle soup for your soul. You can check it out until the 18th online at musiconmain.ca. David, appreciate you giving us some time here. We're so happy and thrilled to see that it's been a success so far, and we uh, got our fingers crossed and wish you and the team all the best until the very end. Thank you so much, John. It's the Shift Podcast. In case you missed it on the radio, here's bleep, boop, bleep, bloop, bloop, the Donald. That's how I'm feeling <laughs> on a Monday, folks. And, and John, just that. so you know, we all got your back in this fun little battle. I know I'm just saying fun to lighten the mood because you're probably going to like hate every minute of it, but it's going to be so worth it when you defeat the evil monster that is cigarettes. Uh, I know. You got this, man. We got your back. Thank you, man. Now, it's funny that you brought this up because the first story today actually comes from an anti-smoking message. Don't smoke and sanitize. Firefighters are warning the public to not mix lit cigarettes with alcohol-based hand sanitizer any guesses as to why that's a bad idea? <laughs> a little combustion here and there, you yeah. know? Well, uh, that combination started a vehicle fire. And that's kind of putting it lightly. In the parking lot of a shopping mall in, in, in the United States, the driver was holding a lit cigarette in his mouth and slathering. That's a weird... I don't like that word. Slathering. <laughs> slathering his hands with quote this is a real quote from firefighters copious amounts of hand sanitizer <laughs> i wow i i think i've there have been points i think early on in the pandemic where i used a lot of hand sanitizer now it's just like mm-hmm. one little pump you know tasteful amount i don't want my hands smelling like hand sanitizer all the time if i can avoid it just before the fire that happened while working to sanitize his hands, embers from the cigarette in his mouth fell, igniting the sanitizer and his clothing. There is wow. footage of this fire. 
and it is not what you're expecting. It's like if you watch a movie and someone throws a Molotov cocktail at a car and it just ignites, that's what the car looked like. And it's literally just from a guy, sorry, slathering his hands with copious (laughs) amounts of hand sanitizer if you go on globalnews.ca, you can watch the video. The car is absolutely totaled. Thankfully, this man yeah. was minorly burned, mm. and he's probably thinking about quitting smoking or sanitizing. And I think he probably knows which one of those he should quit. Just a side note, that wasn't me. That's not why I'm quitting smoking yep. now. But you're right. If that ever happened to me, you bet I'd quit smoking in a heartbeat. But I yep. think we all know the kind of sanitizer this is, Ryan. Because like you mentioned early on in the pandemic, we might have had the good stuff, like all the Purell, which we are coming to realize is a great product because it's not too runny. It's not too stinky. It's just perfect. But yep. then we've seen all the other brands of hand sanitizer that come out. Uh. And there are some that are really goopy. And it's just, it takes forever for it to sink into your skin. And uh, yeah, I, I can just imagine. Ugh. There's this smell of one of them. I, and it's it's not just a brand. It's 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 a type of hand sanitizer. And it, it smells mm-hmm. for a split second, like what Purell smells like. And then it, and then it's like what I imagine death smells like. It is just, it just is so <laughs> bad. And it lingers and it it's, ugh. God, it's the worst. Yep. And honestly, yep. that's probably the uh, stuff that lit the fire. <laughs> yeah, heavy yeah. alcohol. So there you go. A little lesson on your Monday morning on your way to work. Make sure that uh, you're not uh, smoking and sanitizing. Now, let's keep things hot. <laughs> Richard, well, okay, Richard is not hot. I just, <laughs> the, the story is about <laughs> oh, Richard. Cheetos. Okay. <laughs> Context. Richard. Montanez is a name that you probably don't know, but it's important. Maybe a bit less now. He is the man who invented the Flamin' Hot Cheeto. I hate Flamin' Hot Cheetos. I think they taste like dried craft dinner with like a really cheap hot (laughs) sauce on them. I hate them. I don't really like Cheetos in general. We are a Hawkins Cheesies family on the shift. And mm. if Hawkins Cheesies came out with a spicy version of their stuff, that would pique my interest. But I don't I don't do the flaming hot Cheeto. Regardless, it's like a passion in the States. Like people there really love flaming hot Cheetos. And like you can buy t-shirts with the flaming hot Cheeto thing on it. And it's such a story, and it's such a thing there that there's a movie a biopic about Richard Montanez that's directed by Eva Longoria. (laughs) Wow. Now, this movie's been in development for a long time. Like 2017, it was announced. But it's going to need a rewrite. Okay? And so just just to paint the picture, this is a report from Good Morning America from 2017 when the movie was announced. It's the popular snack that just inspired a massive Hollywood bidding war. No fire here. Just flaming hot Cheetos. And it's all because of this man, Richard Montanez, who discovered a secret formula for flaming hot Cheetos while working as a janitor. Montanez, who emigrated from Mexico as a child and dropped out of high school, was working at a Frito-Lay plant when a machine malfunction left some Cheetos without their usual cheese dust. Rather than throw them out, he decided to take them home and spice them up. What would happen if I put chile on a Cheeto? 
That led to a meeting with Frito-Lay's president, and that impulse decision would become a billion-dollar snack. Montañez is now the executive vice president of multicultural sales at PepsiCo, and the film based on his life will be coming soon to a theater near you. There are so many ideas and so many things that you can do right now that people haven't seen them yet. Yeah, except he didn't. This man did not invent the Flamin' Hot Cheeto. An article on Sunday came out from the LA Times, and it disputed that Montañez is in fact the creator of the snack. This so this is this is wild. Here's a quote from Frito Lay, who, by the way, you'll remember in a story that is being written into a movie, Frito Lay says that this conversation between Montañez and their president happened, creating the Frito the 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 Cheeto, Flamin' Hot Cheeto. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems they changed their mind. None of our records show that Richard was involved in any capacity in the flame and Hot test market. We've interviewed multiple personnel who were in the test market, and all of them indicate that Richard was not involved in any capacity in the test market. That doesn't mean we don't celebrate Richard, but the facts do not support the urban legend. Wow. So that whole clip of him talking about it, that was just He's lying. fabrication. He's lying. My God. So he's lying Fraud. and Frito-Lay was lying. Frito-Lay, essentially what they have done here is saw an opportunity. Oh my goodness. An immigrant worker who is a, uh, a, a janitor for us. We can now use him to paint our company in a better light and sell a snack mm. that we've already been developing. He probably just found like the byproduct of it on the floor, brought it to the company, and they were already probably making it. And they were like, oh, never mm. mind. It's your idea. They just saw an opportunity here. So this this is the crazy part. Frito-Lay did nothing to stop him. In fact, it didn't seem to notice or care that he was taking any credit from the actual inventor whose name is Lynn Greenfeld. She went out to ask the company what happened on. Yeah. Montanez definitely did not invent Flamin' Hot Cheetos. But the former Frito-Lay... Uh, CEO says that Frito that Flamin' Hot Cheetos would not exist if it wasn't for Montañez. He was the charismatic leader that helped push the team into making a hit. There you go. They just used this man as a marketing thing, told him, you lie, take credit for everything. And now right. we're getting a movie I... about it. And it's just going to be a giant lie. This is like a biopic movie, like uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. And the whole thing yeah. is going to be a giant lie. Or it will be really interesting and about how a company faked a man's rise, which if that's the case, that's a movie I want to watch. See, that's more compelling to me because it's like a giant social experiment. But the movie about like this whole fabrication, now that it's public, that it was a whole lie, like I would rather see a movie about Lynn Greenfield and the work that Lynn put in all for this. But man, like that's kind of sneaky, eh? a little slithery from a yeah. company to do something like that. Yeah, it's really, and look, like, it, are you surprised? <laughs> but Pop Company did something sketchy? <laughs> really? Of course, yeah, it's not surprising. But it's just, it's such a weird scale. And the, it's so funny to watch Frito-Lay go, oh, yeah, no, he didn't create it. No, no, not at all. He was a big part of it, but he never made it. Also, why didn't you ever say anything? Mm. Mr. Montañez was very important to the creation of our flu. It's just such a corporate 
like wah wah. So honestly, though, if this is what the movie has been about this whole time, I'm excited for this movie. I think it's going to be good. No idea. I think uh, they just casted a couple people in it not that long ago, but no release date or anything like that. Crazy story. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, do you want to know what hasn't changed? How disgusting flaming hot cheetos are and how i do not like them (laughs) i will not be eating them you should eat hawkins cheesies we are not on that note clarify we are not we are not sponsored by them no we are not sponsored by hawkins (laughs) we will accept sponsorships though and brendan just turn the mic on and crumple that for us because brendan in the video call yeah yeah, actually has a bag of hawkins cheesies with him right now i'm enjoying a bag of hawkins cheesies and it's mixing well with my moderna shot i still feel great hey there you go an update and a shout out to hawkins all in one thanks for listening to the shift podcast make sure you subscribe rate and review the show and share with anyone you like get it on apple podcast google podcast spotify and curiouscast.ca